Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. All right. You know from time to time I like to jump into some of the bigger sports markets around the country when they've got compelling stories to tell on their teams. And this week it dawned on me, damn, it's compelling down in Houston, both at the top and at the bottom. They've got very good teams, and they've got teams that are struggling mightily. Here to talk about it all with us from KHOU-TV down in uh, Houston, H-Town, Jason Bristol, TV anchor, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. Jason, Jody Mack here. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It uh, it is It has been a, just a tremendous sports season baseball and college basketball wise but um well you know the other parts so let's <laughs> let's, let's get into it <laughs> we'll talk about them all both good and bad start with the good and that was the astros world series win tremendous world series as a matter of fact astros blew through the american league got a fight out of the phillies in the world series but walked away with a championship and this year, an untainted championship because they had one of those. They wanted to be able to get back and win it without any cheating questions, and they surely did that. Um, comparing the two championship teams, if you can take the cheating aspect out of it, just the the accomplishment and the talent level, and how does this championship team compare to the one from just several years ago? I think this one, I don't think it was more talented but I think it was more complete. And, and that really showed up in the playoffs and, and the World Series when you consider that the way the Astros pitched, there were guys on that starting staff that barely pitched in the postseason because they were so deep. Whereas in 2017, guys, they were using guys all and up and down that roster. But in the postseason, no Jose Urquidy, basically. Luis Garcia hardly pitched, and it was just very interesting to see how these these Astros just blew through the American League, then get through the World Series with, again, a more complete roster. I don't think it was ta- more talented because you had George Springer in, in center field, and this year you had Chaz McCormick. No slight on Chaz McCormick, but when you look at 
up and down this roster, I think the Astros this year were more complete, whereas they were more talented in 2017 and, and 2019 too, a team that did not win at all. But this was definitely a more complete team up and down the roster. And I thought the guy who symbolized what the Astros did this year more than anybody else was your shortstop, Jeremy Pena. Carlos Correa goes free agent, leaves the team, big hole to fill, plug in one of your own. The guy had a very good regular season and then just went nuts in the postseason in both the ALCS and in the World Series. It kind of tells the tale of the Astros that even though they had to go through self-inflicted wounds, wounds just the same, to be able to come out the other side and still continue to do what they do tremendously, which is uh, select, draft, produce, develop. Uh, his his postseason to me was the telltale story of the entire Astros season. Agree or disagree? Well, I agree to a point. I think it's, it, looking back at it, it's kind of amusing to all of us because one of the biggest questions heading into the postseason was how would Jeremy Pena perform on the big stage because <laughs> that's how that's where that's where Carlos Correa basically became pretty close to a legend in Houston because he was so good in the postseason. And I can remember being in the clubhouse before the postseason started. We all gathered around Jeremy Pena's uh, locker stall and and. How how do you think you're going to perform during the, the, this postseason as a rookie? And he just he just performed better. Listen, he performed better than anyone expected. And I think this year as a whole, he also performed. We knew he was going to be a guy who could pick it. And to win the gold glove, the first rookie shortstop to ever win a gold glove is pretty inc- – I mean, that's amazing. It, it never happened before. But the way he hit this year was something that no one expected. I guarantee you none of the Astros people, the front office, said, okay, this guy's going to hit 22 home runs and this and that. They, they got just an incredible performance out of Jeremy Pena – now, when you look at the drafts and and the, the the way this team produces talent, yes, they have been able to plug and play throughout these past five, six years. I will say this. The pipeline is running dry right now. And really, when you look at how the Astros have de- drafted, or excuse me, developed um, Latin American pitchers really – really has been the savior of this club. Without Framber Valdez, without Christian Javier, without Jose Urquidy, without Luis Garcia, we're not talking about another world championship, I don't think, because they've drafted so poorly in the probably from about 17 on, the drafts have not been good, not been good. And uh, uh, with the exception of Jeremy Pena, who was a third-round selection, but uh, to me, what really has really kept this window open is the development, the signing of those Latin American pitchers and how they've been able to outperform everyone's expectations. That is very true. Jeremy Brist- uh, Jason Bristol from KHOU-TV down in H-Town, our guest talking all things Houston sports here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. Yes, you had your parade. Yes, you'll get your World Series rings <laughs> when the season starts next year. I'm not getting one, by the way. I'm not getting uh, you, one. But you, you mean Houston as a whole. I got you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're going to have to replace the Cy Young winner in the American League, Justin Verlander. Astros have a bunch of free agents. No major ones where you go, oh, my God, how are they going to replace him? They've already replaced Yuri Gurriel, bringing in Abreu as their new first baseman. Um, how are they going to go about replacing Verlander? 
Well, here's the deal. This this is probably the first time that uh, that I can remember a team losing a Cy Young Award winner and then saying, you know what, I think we're going to be okay. Because they ran out of six-man rotation for most of the regular season, or at least a good portion of the regular season. They still have six arms to plug in. You've got Framber Valdez. You've got Javier Urquidy, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers Jr., who was hurt for most of last season. And then they've got a kid, Hunter Brown. I do believe that they need to sign some kind of mid-level starter to chew up some innings because with Justin Berlander on the staff, Christian Javier, Urquidy, even Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, they all had more innings pitched than they've ever had. And that, and that's with Justin Berlander. You've got Hunter Brown, the top pitching prospect, arguably uh, one of the top pitching prospects in, in baseball. Um, he's never thrown more than 130 innings in a season as a pro. So I do believe that they're going to need another arm just to eat up some innings, save some bullets for the postseason. Uh, again, they are uniquely equipped to handle the loss of a Justin Berlander. Framber Valdez will be the number one. Christian Javier has pitched like a number one with two combined no-hitters last season, including the one in the World Series. So if any team can handle the loss of a Cy Young Award winner, it's the Astros because <laughs> at times Framber Valdez was their best pitcher. At times uh, Christian Javier was their best pitcher. So they are, they are prepared. I think they were kind of expecting this. When you listen to Jim Crane mention that Verlander was looking for a Max Scherzer-type deal, and then after or around the time of the signing of Jose Abreu, Jim Crane, the owner, said, yeah, we haven't really talked to Justin in a while. I think they were kind of greasing the skids to say, listen, um, we don't think Justin's going to come back. I know that Justin Verlander's people came back to the Astros to perhaps match the offer or get close to what the Mets offer. The Astros declined that. And again, I think that they feel they're in a good place to replace Justin Verlander. They do have other arms to throw out there that are pretty Not just good. other arms, not just other arms, elite arms in, in, in Javier and Framber Valdez. Oh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll not put them, uh, since they haven't won a Cy Young yet, I'm not going to put them on a Cy <laughs> Young type level, but very talented arms will agree on that. All right, uh, the other Houston team that I wanted to talk about because they were the number one team in the country coming into today's action. Probably one of the under-the-radar top teams in college basketball last several years. Made two straight Elite Eights, come in as number three preseason, whip out to a 9-0 and start and jump up to number one. And I say, we got to give these guys some props, some acknowledgement. <laughs> and, of course, they lose today after I book you to come on the show today. Got beat by Alabama. Uh, watched the good majority of the game. It was a good game, but they did have a 15-point lead in the second half, which they just let slip through their fingers. What happened to the Cougars today? Well, it's really interesting that they did uh, they did let a lead slip like that, but Calvin Sampson has proven to be one of the best coaches in the country, and he will tell you that in December, you are not a finished product. You are far from a finished product, and he builds his team to essentially build throughout the season. Every Calvin Sampson team is better in February and March than it was in December. So true, real U of H fans, they get it. They understand, while certainly being disappointed, losing to Alabama, having a number one ranking, likely losing it. When you look deep into the program and, and how Calvin Sampson has constructed his team and how he builds and builds and builds throughout the season – 
There's nothing to be worried about. There's no need to push any kind of panic button. The Cougars are the Cougars because of the way they play defense, the way they rebound, and there is this attitude about them. And yes, letting a lead slip like that is very uncharacteristic, but teams go on and go on runs throughout a game. And um, yes, it's disappointing for the city of Houston to likely lose that number one ranking, but they will be there in March at the end. Of course, the final four this year is in Houston. So there is this really um, hope desire that obviously U of H will be there at the end and the way they play defense rebounding, those things never go away in a basketball game. Shooting comes and goes, but the way Kelvin Sampson has built this program is on defense and rebounding. And basically, what do those come down to? Those two things. It's about effort. And everything with Kelvin Sampson's teams are about effort. And yes, they let it slip. But again, it's December. It's not February, March. So there's nothing to be concerned about. So the sports teams in Houston live in large with their baseball team, their college basketball team. Not so much with their NFL team. No. Uh, Texans have only one win all year, one win, one tie. Uh, they right now sit in a position where they would have the number one pick in a draft if the season were to end, and we'll see how many wins they get between now and the end of the season. They do have the Jags again, the team that they beat, so uh, they better be careful. They might win another game. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, your buddy John McClain, who I have on often as a guest, uh, oftentimes tells me, oh, the, the organization likes Davis Mills. Jody, you got to stop saying Davis Mills isn't an NFL quarterback. They believe he is. That's why they're going. Well, they decided this past week he's not an NFL quarterback or not a starting one. Kyle Allen has gone in and hasn't done any better than Davis Mills has. It's a foregone conclusion. The starting quarterback of the uh, Texans next year is uh, might have been, well, no, uh, Caleb Williams just won the Heisman, but maybe a C.J. Stroud who was up there on the stage, maybe a Mr. Young from Alabama. Then XQB is going to be a uh, first-round draft pick for the Texans this upcoming draft, is he not? Oh, without a doubt, uh, without a doubt. And, and I would agree with John McClain by saying that, yes, Davis Mills is an NFL quarterback. He's just likely not a starting NFL quarterback. Davis Mills can be very mechanical at times. And um, it is a bit, I don't want to say perplexing, that, it, that, a, that a, a team coached by David Culley um, with a lot of the issues surrounding having Deshaun Watson around and things like that will end up likely winning more games than a team coached by Lovey Smith and perhaps a better offensive line this year than they had last year. Uh, Laramie Tunsil did not play uh, much of last season. Laramie Tunsil is uh, playing this year, a team that has a better running back in Damian Pierce. So it, um, and, a, and a better defense coming in. I mean, Jerry Hughes has been Jerry Hughes. Uh, he's one of the top quarterback sack guys in, in the NFL. Um, so it, it has been disappointing, but the end game is this is an organization that is building. And yes, uh, they will they will definitely pick, be picking a quarterback in the first round. Um, it 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 Bryce Young probably maybe uh, that that would be the guy I think that most Texans fans and and Houstonians would want to see um, based on his body of work. But you know we've also seen situations where you go for an impact defensive guy and and maybe you get. Uh, another quarterback with your other first round pick that's coming from the Cleveland Browns. You know, it all depends on, on who, uh, 
you know what the what the Texan scouts believe and and how their board shapes up. But uh, um, yes, the answer to your question is yes. The the Texans quarterback of the future is not in the NFL right now. It's a guy that's been playing on Saturdays. Will Lovey Smith be coaching this individual next year? Oof. Will Nick Casario be the guy who makes the call as to which of those quarterbacks they take if they're debating at the top of the draft? Is there stability? Do they uh, are they going to let let's say a two or fourteen and one season just go by the boards and say, all right, yeah, but it was all about the future anyway? Are both the coach and the general manager in uh, good stead right now, or could we see massive changes before the draft ever rolls around? I think a coaching change is more likely than a general manager change. When you look at how the Texans operate, they had tried to get Nick Casario as their general manager once before, and uh, that didn't work out because of there was some uh, a threat of tampering from the Patriots. They finally got him. He has a long six-year contract, I believe. The first year, he has inherited a number of bad, bad contracts and aging players with high salaries. I don't think it would be fair to Nick to, to just give him two years. So I definitely think that Nick Casario, when you consider that most people around the NFL feel that his draft last year um, was pretty strong with Stingley and Kenyon Green, the lineman from Texas A&M, although um, they've both been up and down their rookie year. That happens as rookies. Um, and then picking a running back like Damian Pierce, who has been one of the best rookies in the AFC when they give him the ball. Lovey Smith, different story. Um, I think Lovey Smith was always going to be a placeholder, someone to bridge the gap. Um, I, the way things have been working, some of his interactions with the media, um, it leads me to believe that the Texans may be looking for a new head coach, which would be very bizarre. Three head coaches in, in three years for a general manager. Um, I don't, the, the first year, you know, the Texans were trying to work out something with Deshaun Watson. Now, granted, this was before all of his off the field issues, but if you remember, Deshaun Watson had allegedly reportedly come out and, and basically told the team that I'm not playing for you. So they had kept the offensive coordinator hoping that Deshaun Watson might reconsider. How many coaches do you want do you see come into a new situation that aren't able to pick their own their own offensive coordinator? So I think you get a pass on the first year. Lovey Smith isn't exactly working out this year. So I do believe Nick Casario is safer than Lovey Smith and and I would expect uh, I think it's probably more than 50% chance that, that Lovey Smith will not be back for a second season. All right. And last and maybe least, uh, your NBA squad. I actually watched <laughs> the Rockets play an entire game this week because they played the 76ers, and I'm a Philly okay. guy. I like some of their good young talent. I like mm-hmm. Green. I love Alper Sangoon. Jabari Smith, all right, he's got to pick up his shooting a little bit. He hasn't done that yet. Kevin Porter Jr. That's talent. They're young yeah. as all get out, and they're showing it on a night-in, night-out basis. But what, what is what is it the Rockets actually want to accomplish this year? Uh, I think it's. I mean, I think it's about consistent effort. You know, there are times that they will be up in the third quarter, have a lead for the game, and they, they typically have one bad quarter. And when I mean bad, I mean like bad, bad quarters, and they get blown out. And sometimes the scores really are in, you know, basically centered around one bad quarter. And, you know, if they have a good first half, 
it's about, okay, guys, let's keep it up. You know, young players still learning, still learning a system, still learning the NBA mostly on, on, on bringing a consistent effort night in and night out. And because of that, I think some people are questioning whether Steven Silas um, is the right answer. He's been very patient, very nurturing to all these guys um, as they make this transition from the amateur ranks to or professional leagues overseas to play in the NBA. And really, it's about a consistent effort and, and defense. You know, um, that was a big calling card of Jabari Smith was his defense. And yes, the shooting hasn't been, it's, it's picked up of late, but consistent defense, consistent effort. I think that's really what the Rockets are, are looking for because they've got scores. They've got guys who score. And I think also trying to find the right mix rotation wise on who plays better with whom. Um, I think that's also something that the Rockets are still trying to feel their way through as they develop these guys into what they hope are impact NBA players because individually when you look at the talent yeah these guys have it it's just a matter of trying to get them all to mesh and to to give a consistent effort night in and night out and oh by the way I do think you have the right coach I think Silas is a very good young coach uh unlike Lovey Smith who was a retread and a uh, bridge coach I actually think you've got yourself a good young coach down there Uh, and it's going to come together at some point Maybe after they add Victor Wimbanyama, if they finish with the <laughs> least wins in the NBA this year. Uh, Jason, great stuff. Appreciate you hopping on board with us. Thank you much. We will get you on again down the road. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Same to you. Jason Bristol from KHOU-TV down there in H-Town. Man, I had uh, forgot. I know I heard it, but I had forgotten that the uh, Final Four is going to be in Houston this year. Not impossible that the Cougars could be homestanding in the uh, Final Four this year. But no sooner did I say, hey, we got to give this team props, of course they go out and lose. So I mushed them, and I apologize for that. Uh, but I appreciate Jason jumping on with us. All right, Jody Mack coming back. Get the phones reopened. We can uh, talk some college hoops if you so desire or the Heisman, or Army-Navy, or Week 14 in the NFL. You tell me. 855-212-4227. Get aboard with the Mac Man here on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 